Do you have any regrets? Have you made any mistakes? Have you ever thought to yourself, if only, if only I hadn't, if only I didn't, if only I could replay that period of my life, I would do it so differently. God, I got it wrong that time. How, how many of you got anything like that in your life? If your hand is not up, you are a liar. Because I know all of you have sinned so badly. And you have done things that you should not have done, things that you are regretful about. And uh, all of us suffer from a level of guilt and condemnation. And these are two of Satan's most powerful weapons against Christians. Revelation 12, 10. The accuser of our brethren, he accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Do you know he accuses you day and night at the throne of God, listing every single thing that you may have done wrong in your life. And the result of that is we feel condemned, we feel guilty. And the problem with that is it undermines our faith. It undermines our confidence, and we think, oh, I really don't think God can bless me because of what I did yesterday or what I did this morning. I don't think God is going to answer my prayer, and we just feel really so very condemned in our life. Do you want to know something? I pray against condemnation virtually every day of my life because it is such a powerful, and I'm going to explain that to you, why I find I need to do that in my life. But the, the good news is this, friends, that Romans 8 verse 1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. And yet many of us, even sitting here today, feel guilty, we feel condemned, we feel nagged by, by the devil saying, oh, you know, you're not this, you're not good enough, you got this wrong, you got the other thing wrong. Philippians 3, 13 to 14 says, I, don't, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing, everyone say one thing. one thing, this is the one thing you've got to do, all right, folks, listen carefully, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Friends, to successfully lay hold of the future that God has got for you, you've got to leave the past behind. And we've all done things that we regret, that we wish we'd never done. But we've got to leave those things behind. You can't walk the rest of your life with a sack of potatoes on your back and try and run your race for Jesus. You cannot do it. But the good news of Easter is he's taken the sack of potatoes. He's thrown them to the bottom of the ocean where no one can ever get hold of them again and throw them in your direction. He has forgiven you, but you've got to deal with the past in order to capture the great future that God has got for you. See, friends, what we need to understand, I think it's a great problem in society and in church today, is that we are completely, totally, utterly, and absolutely and forever forgiven of every sin that we have brought to Jesus and confessed to Him. We are completely forgiven. See, most of us feel somewhat forgiven. We feel, well, I'm mostly forgiven, but we don't feel, oh God, I've just got a clean, clean slate before you, but you actually do have that. And I want to try and convey that message to you today, because this is the message of Easter. This is the message of the resurrection. 
is that we are forgiven and we have got a destiny that's gonna take us to an eternity in heaven. So listen to this. 1 Corinthians 15, 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. How many of you believe in the resurrection? You better believe in it, man. Because if you don't, you're still in your sins. Romans 4.25, but of course, he has been risen, so you're not still in your sins. 4.25, who was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our, justi- raised because of our justification. Now, that word justification, you may have heard it before, but I want you to hear it again. Justification means not only forgiveness of our sins, but our sins have been removed from us just as if we had never sinned. And when God from heaven looks down on you as a Christian, now get this, folks, get it, please. He he looks at you as if you have never committed even one sin ever in your life. You've never lied. You've never lusted. You've never been unforgiving. You've never, you know, done a crime. You've never stolen anything. You've never cheated. When God looks at you, and yet you know you've done all those things, or most of them, but you're completely, completely, completely forgiven. See, if we don't understand that, there's always going to be a nagging thing in the back of our mind thinking, I'm not sure God can really bless me. He he can't use me to the level that he can use other people because he knows about that and he knows about this. No, friends, he doesn't know about it. It's gone. It's under the blood. It's washed away, friends. It's no longer there. He doesn't know about it and he doesn't think about it. You think about it, but Jesus doesn't think about it. Completely Forgiven. Come and say it with me. Completely forgiven. Say it again. Completely. If you ever get that, friends, you're going to rise to another level in your life. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. If the devil ever reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. I love the story of William Booth. You've heard some of it. His experience of heaven. All before me was a record of my past life. Was unrolled. Whenever I read that, I think, oh, Jesus, help me. (laughs) Imagine your past life unrolled from the day you were born. Everything you've done. How many of you would like that? We put it up on the screen, you know? We're not going to do that. Then he says this. I saw to my delight that this register contained no record of any misdeeds before conversion. Well, yeah, I understand that. Before I was saved, I sinned, got saved, God's forgiven me. It doesn't stop me. Watch this. You've got to see this. Neither was there any record of sins that I had done since that time. Since conversion. He said it was as though some friendly hand had gone through and blotted out the record of evil doings in my life. I felt like shouting praises to God. So friends, every sin that we have ever committed that has been confessed to God has been removed from the eternal records. As we heard recently from J. John, Jesus didn't come with your sins to rub it in. He came to rub it out. And it's gone. 
It is gone forever, friends, in our lives. So one of the keys to our Christian life is to not live by our feelings. We've got to live by the Word of God. You see, because our feelings, one day we're going to feel good. We're going to feel we're living right. We're doing okay. God's going to bless me. But the next day we're going to feel bad. We're going to feel guilty. We're going to feel condemned. And friends, if we live by our feelings, man, we're going to be Christians that are up and down and up. And our faith is going to be up and down and up and down. We're going to be all over the place. But I'm here to tell you, we don't live by feelings. We live by faith. We live by what the Word of God says. We live by the book. We live by the book. And what does the book say? The book says you're completely forgiven. The book says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus towards you. The book says, as far as the east is from the west, so your sins have been cast to the bottom of the ocean. We don't live by feelings. We live by the book. Because the book has been tried seven times in the furnace of fire, found without fault. Here I go. Receive it. Without fault. The book is without fault. You can bank your life on it. If you've got a house, you can bank your house on the Word of God. It will never fail and it will never change. You know, we live in a world that changes all the time. People change. Principle changes. Laws change, don't they? You know, one, one day you can drive at 50, next day it's got to be 40. Then one day it's 80, then it's 100. I mean, things change. You get all confused. God never changes. God's laws never change. They're fixed. They're eternal. They're forever. You bank your bottom dollar on it. Come on, put your trust in the Word of God. And most of all, you are completely forgiven. Not an ounce of unforgiveness towards any of us who are believers in Christ. And that's what, friends, sets us free to be what God has called us to be. Sometimes we don't feel like we're going to heaven. Ever had that feeling? Gosh, am I, am I really going to make it? Some days you're going to feel you've been a good girl, a good boy. You're going to feel, yeah, I'll make it. Next day, you don't say, you know, maybe you're not going to make it. The Bible says, if you've given your life to Christ, confess your sins. Your name is written in heaven, and you will get to heaven in Jesus' name. You don't have to doubt it or wonder or worry about it, friends. Because I'm telling you now, in the middle of the night, the devil's going to come to you sometime. He's going to say, you're not going to get to heaven, buddy. You're going to go to the wrong place. That's one of his master strokes, friends. He puts his guilt trip on us. He puts his fear on us. If we live by our feelings and our thoughts, we're done. We'll live by the book. So get into the book and do soul food. Do soul food. Get that book into you. Because when you get the book into you, you know what it does? Listen, it stabilizes you. It stabilizes your life. Because you're putting, it's like you're putting the solid foundation that can never be shifted or moved into your heart, into your spirit, into your being. And so you become, a, you become more consistent. You know, you don't go up and down. You're not all over the place. You're building on a rock, a rock that won't move, a rock that won't sink, a rock that won't be removed, won't change, a rock steadfast, sure, strong. In the wildest storms, a rock stands firm. And if you've planted your feet on the rock, you will stand firm as well. Get the word into your life, into your spirit and stabilize yourself. Don't be a Christian one, one fire one day and out of fire the next day. 
You know, one day passionate for Jesus, the next day missing church for three weeks. One day you read your Bible, then you don't read it again for a few days. One day you pray, and the next day you don't pray, and then you pray, and you pray for an hour, and then you pray for a minute, and then you don't pray at all. Come on, let's get some stability. Let's get some foundation into our spirits, and that comes from the Word of God. Why? Because it's fixed, and it never changes. And the laws of God never change. I'm so thankful for that. They didn't get that in the first service, so count yourself lucky. <laughs> Your name is written in the book of life. You know, forgiveness is such a huge basic human need. Yeah. You've, you've heard it recently. Head of our large English mental hospital said, I could dismiss half my patients tomorrow if they could be assured of forgiveness. It's such a big problem, friends. You know, and all of us, <laughs> all of us, Tell the person next to you, he's talking about you now. No, just tell them, just tell them. Uh-huh. All of us have a skeleton or two in some dark cupboard. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, you do. Because you are not Jesus. Just thought I'd remind you of that. Do you know why this message is so important? It's because you actually sin every day. Every single day you sin. Uh huh. You have a mean thought about a person. You say something you know you shouldn't have said. Uh huh. You look at someone else's car, and you look at your car. Yeah, and then you just go and scratch the car with a pen. I know you do that. I know you do that. Oh yeah. Then you see someone come into church, and you think, Oh, why is that skirt so short? Or someone's dressed a little bit better than you, and you think, oh, they're just parading themselves. <laughs> come on, come on, church. We sin all the time. We sin every day. And the problem is this, we don't deal with it. We just think, oh, well, yeah, it's just life. No, no, it affects your faith. It does. You've got to keep that slate clean. You've got to keep it completely clean. Here's my recommendation. When you go to bed at night, go through your day, and confess everything that you got wrong that day. So when you go to sleep at night, the devil can't come and attack you and remind you of those things that you did wrong yesterday. If we don't do that, friends, you see, some of us think that forgiveness is when we get saved or some big thing we do wrong. No, no, it's much bigger than that, friends. It's all those small things. Because every small thing gets between you and God. That can, the, 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 thing, the only thing that separates us and God is sin. Okay? So it may be one big sin, or it may be... 50 little sins, get rid of them all. Have an open heaven over your life and watch what God will do. That's when you'll know the presence of God in your life in a greater dimension than ever before. Brendan Manning, he writes of John 21, Peter threw himself into the water and swam as fast as he could before to Jesus. Now, not many days before, this is an incredible story. He had denied Jesus three times. I mean, you're talking about major sin. He called down curses. Well, I don't know the man. I don't think any of us have done that. And we may tell a few lies here and there and look at something we didn't, shouldn't have looked at, but we've never denied Jesus three times. I don't think any of us have anyway. And I think that is, that is major sin. And yet we find he'd, a few days after he's done that, he's in such a hurry to be with Jesus, he couldn't wait for the boat to take him there. He jumped out of the boat 
and he swam as fast as he could to Jesus, knowing that with Jesus, he would find complete forgiveness and acceptance, and there would be no rejection from Jesus to the man who had just denied him three times. Now think about that. Think about, so imagine this. I hope you don't do it, but you probably have. Imagine last night, yesterday, you sinned. You did something you shouldn't have done. You lied. You cheated. You watched something you shouldn't have. You stole some money. As long as it wasn't mine, I don't really mind. Yeah. <laughs> or you watched some porn, and you feel terrible, but you've asked Jesus to forgive you and wash you in his blood. What would you then be like? Would you be consumed with condemnation and self-hatred? Or would you jump into the water and swim at breakneck speed to Jesus, knowing he's there with open arms, ready to receive you as if you had never sinned? What would you be like? Which one would you be? Because I think most of us, we wouldn't. We'd, we'd just sort of hang back a little bit and think, oh, well, maybe, you know, God, this is not what I should have done, and you know, you're not going to be as open to me and receive me as much as I would feel you should. Now, we mustn't willfully sin, but when we do, if we confess it, he forgives us. Yeah. Now, Peter, think about Peter. Peter did not spend the rest of his life walk through with his head hung down, thinking, man, I, I denied Jesus three times. Man, I, I, can, I know he's forgiven me, but I, I just can't get over that. It's, it's just, he didn't do that, friends. No, no. He walked with his head held up high. Yeah. Because he knew he was completely forgiven. He knew he had left his past behind, and he was grabbing hold of the great future that God had in store from him. And it's on people like Peter, who denied the Lord three times, that he built his church and made it a mighty force in the world, friends. And so my challenge to you, friends, is I want to say to you, don't go through the rest of your life with your head hanging down feeling ashamed of yourself. You know, there's so many people think, I'm guilty. You know, I'm dirty. I'm unclean. I'm unworthy. You have no self-esteem. You have self-hatred and your head is hung down low. But I'm here to tell you, friends, today that it's on those very people that Jesus is going to come and he's going to pick them up and they're going to be pillars in the church and a part of this end-time army of God that is going to shape this nation and the nations of the world. He's going to rise up, friends. These are the very people that Jesus is looking for. And friends, I'm one of those. I'm not going to tell you my past. It'd take too long. And anyway, Jesus can't remember it anyway. It's gone. It's gone. He can't even bring it up. If you say, Jesus, oh, what about that sin? He'll say, what sin? Yeah. You say, well, Jesus, what about that? that you know what happened to me and, you know, da-da-da when I was younger? He says, no. And he's not going to say, tell me about it. It's gone. Friends, it's gone. There is no record. Can you get it? There is no record. There is no record. There is no record. Some of you need to hear this. Some of you need to hear it. There is no record. It's gone. You can't talk to Jesus about it because he doesn't know about it. When he said, 
It's under the blood. As far as the east is from the west, at the bottom of the ocean. And then he put up a sign, no fishing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Come on. There is yeah. no record. Yeah. Man, I feel it, I feel it, I feel it so strong. I feel it so strong. That's why I'm just hanging on this for a few moments. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, or whatever's been done to you, no record on your part. There's no record. It's gone. I need to hear that. I really do. So do you. This is the power of the resurrection. So, how would you like it if a list of your sins and weaknesses were made public after having said all that? Well, there is a list of your failures, but Christ has listed them, and the list has been made public, but you've never seen them. Never, you never will see them, and nor will anyone else. And the reason there's no record is because of the cross. Colossians 2.14, Living Bible. He blotted out the charges proved against you. There were charges against you and me. He blotted them out, the list of his commandments, which you have not obeyed. He took this list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to the cross. That's why we celebrate today, friends. It is, this is the great season of, the, of history. As Jesus' hands were being nailed to the cross, he could have stopped the soldier. He had all power, friends. He could have whacked that soldier, <laughs> thrown him into the, to hell itself in a flick. Could have called on legions of angels. But he didn't do it. Why didn't he resist? I'll tell you why. He saw something that made him keep his hands open. Between Jesus and the wood, there was a list, a long list of your sins, your mistakes, your lusts, your lies. But they cannot be read. Because every sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. Another version is Colossians 2.14. He has forgiven all, you all your sins. He has utterly wiped out the written evidence of broken commandments and has completely annulled them by nailing it to the cross. Now, this is why he refused to close his fist. Because he saw the list. He saw the list of your sins. He saw the list of your mistakes. So he kept his fist open. He knew the price of those sins was eternal separation from God and you'll spend eternity in the fires of hell. He knew that. And he couldn't bear the thought of heaven without you. So he let the nails pierce his hands. Between his fist and the wood, it's where your sins were listed. And he covered them in the blood of Christ, in the blood of Jesus. Max Licata puts it better than I could. He said the hand squeezing the handle was not a Roman soldier. No, no. The force behind the hammer was not an angry mob. The verdict behind the death was not decided by jealous Jews. Jesus himself chose the nails and the cross. He knew the purpose of the nails was to place your sins where they'd be covered by the blood. Listen to this. As the hands of Jesus opened for the nails, the door of heaven opened for you. Yeah. 
This is the greatest story ever told. It will never be beaten. Wow. This is not a cheap grace or a license to sin. You know me better than that. Luke 15, the prodigal son walks away into a life of sin, loose living, ends up in the pig's pen, comes to a sense and decides to go back to the father. It's a really interesting story. You know it, but it's interesting. Verse 20, he rose and came to his father. But when he was still a far way off, great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, I understand that, but, and ran. This is what I can't get. And ran to this wretched, sinful, hurtful son who had turned his back on his father and got into loose living and wasted everything. And he's coming home. If I was a father, I would wait with a stick. Wouldn't you? (laughs) But he didn't. He runs and falls on his neck, not to break it, (laughs) and kissed him. So why on earth would he run? And then fall on his neck and kiss this rat back. I mean, we just don't do that, do we? Well, we don't, but he does. I'll tell you why he did that. It's what unconditional love does. See, my love's not unconditional, but his is. We can think when we've made a mess of things, does God still love me, accept me? The action of running to the prodigal tells me this, that when we have confessed our sins, that in the heart of God, there is not one ounce of rejection towards you. Not one ounce of rejection towards you. You've got to get this, friends. You'll never be all God's called you to be if you don't get this. Because sins like that sack of potatoes on the back of our necks, on the back of our, on our backs, we, we can't run our race if we keep that there. And th- this is the forgiveness, yep. not an ounce of rejection yeah. towards you, just open arms to receive you, regardless of whatever life you've lived or whatever you may have done. And it gets better than that. The prodigal son was willing to come back. He said, look, I'll just be a hired servant. But the father says, no. The father restores him yeah. to the rights yeah. of before he left. He brings out the robe and the ring and the sandals, plus the fatted calf. The son, and friends, I'm here to tell you right now, there's ex-church going to come running back here. There's backsliders that are going to come running back to the church. And the arms of Jesus are going to be open wide, friends. There's not going to be an ounce of rejection towards them. But more than this, listen that, he's going to fully restore them. He will fully restore them to throne rights that they had before they ever walked away. Listen carefully. Church Unlimited is called by God to be a champion of restoring those who have fallen, those who have backslidden, those who have walked away. And when they come through these doors, there will not be an ounce of rejection towards them. We're not going to tell them, thank you for coming back, sit in the back row. We're going to give them the front row. Friends, and let there not be one elder brother in this place 
who says, God, how come they're now preaching? How come they're now song leading? How come they're a leader? Didn't you see what they did? I've been faithful to your house all my life. Forget it, friends. None of us deserves anything. We're all sinners deserving of hell. And anything less than that is a bonus. Champions of restoration. When someone has fallen, friends, and start to make their way back, do not stamp on their head. Do not kick them while they're down. It's happened in the church for too long. No wonder they won't come back. They don't think they're going to be loved. They don't think they'll be accepted. They don't think they'll be restored. So they're going to just hide away in shame. Friends, we need every person in this army. We're going to change this nation, friends. We need the ex-church. We need the backsliders. I don't care what they've done. I don't care. But for the grace of God, there go I. I could have been exactly like that. I could have been like the prodigal son, and maybe in God's eyes I have been. Let's not be like the Pharisee. Looked at the publican and said, God, I thank God I'm not like him. You are like him. We're all like him. We're all sinners saved by grace. Religious pride is one of the greatest sins of the church. We look down on people so easy. Oh, I pray more than him. I raise my hands a bit higher. You know, I sing a bit louder. I serve more. Let it go, friends. This is Easter. I've run out of time. Judges 11, 1 to 3, Jephthah the Gileadite was a man, mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot. Gilead begot Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore sons. When his son's wives, when his wife's son grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, you have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Jephthah fled from his brothers, dwelt in the land of Tob. <laughs> Tob, <laughs> could be Tart. could be <laughs> Worthless men banded together with Jephthah, and he went out raiding with them. Jephthah had three strikes against his name, as I wrap this up. He was an illegitimate child, strike one. Not only that, friends, he's the son of a prostitute, strike two. Thirdly, he's raised in a home of hatred and hostility, strike three. Kicked out of home, no doubt look up, took up the life of a rebel on a one-way street going nowhere. And miraculously, everything changes, and we find Jephthah, what's this say? He's a mighty man of valor. He was a champion for God. And you've got to ask yourself the question, how, how does that happen? Yeah. This misfit, this reject, this rebel, the son of a prostitute, this illegitimate child is now a leader in God's army. Right. He had no rightful place to such a calling. Well, not in our eyes. But God says in 1 Samuel 2, 8, he raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the, lifts the beggar from the ash heap or the dunghill where some of us have been raised. And sets it, or we feel that we're like that. He sets him among princes and makes him inherit the throne of glory. You see, God's grace, the cross, makes champions out of losers, successes out of rejects, and winners out of failures. We all make it, friends, because we're one of those three. Martin Luther's lying in bed one night. The devil comes to him and begins to list all his sins. Big scroll, one by one. Luther reads the list, his heart's sinking because it's all true. Suddenly, flashed in Luther's mind, one thing had not been written there. And he says, Satan, these are all true, but you've forgotten one thing. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. And immediately the devil disappeared. Friends, you've got to know how to make the devil disappear. You've got to know. Because he's going to come at you night and day. But you've got to know 
and it's the blood of Jesus. If you've not brought my book on the blood, buy it today. So you can live in forgiveness. Because without it, you'll never be what God's called you to be. There's no record left. We're not to live in guilt or condemnation, regret of past mistakes. We're to forget what is behind and press towards our future. Because regardless of your past, because of Easter, the death and resurrection of Jesus, God has a glorious plan and future for every single one of us. The greatest of all is salvation and an eternity in heaven with God forever. It doesn't get any better than that. I'm five minutes over time, I got a bit cranked up there, so there you go. Sometimes it happens. Stand with me, would you?